Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast, Breathe In, Write Out, a podcast for high school, college, and university students about making the most out of academic life. We touch on study skills, student life, career transition, overall well-being, personal development, and other topics that impact young adults. At the end of each podcast, we send our listeners off with a short guided meditation and writing prompt. We hope that through these discussions, meditations, and writing exercises, we can build an open, caring, compassionate community that supports personal growth. I'm Lisa Fow, the founder and CEO of Fow Academic Writing, where we focus on teaching young adults the communication skills necessary to reach their full potential on the page and in life. Get into a cozy spot, grab your pen and notebooks, and let's meet our first guest. This week's episode is about socially conscious business. We thought this topic would be helpful to our listeners who are looking for meaningful employment and or social change. In university, everything seems possible and many of us are inspired to create change in the world after graduation. However, after entering the workforce, we may start to feel discouraged and lose our spark. So why not pass the corporate world and his expectations and start something that you care about and that you can create change that you want to see in the world. Today's guest is Braden Wolf, founder of Remarkable Rejects. He is a recent graduate from the business school at um, Ivy at the University of Western Ontario. He is passionate about nutrition, natural movement and cooking. After graduating, he was inspired to turn his passions into a business that would reduce food waste and increase healthy eating. Braden is also an avid baseball player and previously was a team member for the Great Lake Canadians. Welcome to our podcast, Breathe In, Right Out, Braden. Thanks for having me, Lisa. It's great to be here. You're welcome. So why don't we start off with um, telling everyone a little bit about your business and what inspired you to start it? Sure. So the business is called Remarkable Rejects, and our mission is preventing unnecessary food loss in Ontario. Uh, how we go about how we go about achieving that is sourcing two types of produce from local farmers. The first type is produce that is cosmetically imperfect, so it could be something with like um, something that got banged by a tree branch while it was on the tree, or it could be um you know a pepper that is too small or it could be a cucumber that has too much of a curve in it yeah um so that's the first type of thing that we source and then the second type is surplus produce so it's really hard for farmers to grow the exact amount Mm -hmm. of produce that they need to meet their exact demand because they can't perfectly predict their supply it changes based on the weather patterns yeah and they also can't perfectly predict their demand because, you know, customers might back out. There might be more demand for a certain type of produce, depending on what's happening right. you know, just in the social world. Yeah. So whenever they end up with too much supply and not enough demand, a lot of that produce is going to go to waste. Um, there are outlets to donate, but the okay. amount of surplus far exceeds the amount that's getting donated right now. Wow. So that's where we step in. So um, yeah, go ahead. Before, like, 
do you have any stats on how much food or produce is actually wasted in Ontario? Because I, I, I didn't really even think about this until once I saw a article about a girl whose family were like mango farmers and the amount of mangoes they threw out for this various, the same reasons you're saying. And so to raise awareness, she made her graduation dress all out of mango pits. Oh, wow. That um, and that, that was the first I ever heard of this. So in, in, and that I think was in California, because obviously we don't grow mangoes here. Um, do you, so what's the situation with Ontario or Canada? The research on food waste in Ontario isn't complete at this point. Um, there just hasn't been a ton of it, but um, there was a recent study done out of um, Santa Clara University a couple okay. of years ago, and they went around to a bunch of different farms, um, all sorts of different types of produce, and they measured how much was getting wasted right. due to various reasons, including being surplus or being cosmetically imperfect. Mm -hmm. And they found that it was 30% of the uh, marketable yield. So, wow. And this was one of the first studies that actually went to the farms and measured it physically. Uh, it had previously been done just kind of taking farmer surveys, but okay. those proved to be huge underestimates because the farmers inherently are gonna be biased in thinking that they're not wasting as much food as they are. Okay. But yeah, when they went to actually go measure it, it was about 30%. And that's in California, that's not right. in Ontario. Right. But I mean, you can kind of extrapolate 30% through the entire modern agriculture system because the same sort of stuff is happening everywhere. Not in less developed countries, but just like the modern modern right. agriculture. Where, where does the food, if it, so does it just get put in a compost? Like what would the farmers do with this waste produce normally? So it depends. Sometimes they'll till it into the field, um, but sometimes if it's already picked, then they actually have to pay to dispose of it. Wow. So, I mean, we work with a carrot farmer in Ontario uh -huh. who, and carrots are like one of the bigger crops that has a, just a massive amount of imperfect stuff, be it yeah. like a broken carrot or a, like getting a straight carrot doesn't seem to be the easiest thing. Yeah, I mean, anyone who grew carrots, if you had a garden, I don't know if you ever had a garden, but yeah, they don't come out straight. straight <laughs> yeah. And so this guy, when I was talking to him, was telling me that they have to pay to dispose of millions of pounds of carrots every year. Oh my God. And it's it's just a massive expense. So when I asked him, I was like, can we buy your, you know, broken and curved carrots? Right. He was like, he was like, yes, like by buying them, you're saving me money. So he basically gives them to us for free. Like it's a, you pay a little bit, but right yeah because he's not having to pay to get and then so when they pay to get rid of the carrots does that is is that like the same as when we put stuff in the green bin and some sort of truck like that comes up or you don't know you don't know what happens honestly with the carrot situation i haven't asked them I, a lot of the times the produce goes to landfill and mm -hmm. and then the other scenario is yeah if you're able to till it into your field then you kind of get a little bit of a little bit of benefit back right from the compost but that's still a super inefficient use of produce yeah just turning it into compost instead of being eaten is, is not yeah. good 
And wh so why do they have to pay for it to be removed after it's picked? Is that some sort of like legislation? Well, my, my assumption is that the carrots, there's just so, like millions of pounds. There's so many right. of them that if they left them on their field, yeah. um, it could damage the soil, just all the rotting carrots. Because you need to compost, you need specific environment. You know, it needs right. to be like, there needs to be certain microbes and certain worms and stuff. So I don't think it works if you just leave all the carrots on your field to rot. No. <laughs> that would be a problem. I don't think so. I think you need different types of like organic material too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so you kind of talked about a little bit how you guys choose the produce. What got you interested in this? Like what inspired you to, to start this business? There's a couple of things, but I always say the first one is, um, I think it was a year and a half ago. I mean, I like to read books, like just to learn stuff. I don't know, yeah. but <laughs> I read, I read a book. Um, it was called Project Drawdown. It was recommended by a ritual guy that I follow. And okay. he, the, the book Project Drawdown is, is basically team of scientists and researchers from all over the world got together and made a list like a not a list it's more of a comprehensive solution on okay. how we can reach a point where by 2050 instead of emitting net carbon we're actually uh, sequestering net carbon so the amount of carbon in the atmosphere is actually reducing each year okay. which is apparently critical to avoiding severe global warming issues yeah and so each the book is just full of i think it's 150 different solutions that they came up with wow and what we have to do and how how um much we have to implement each solution to reach that point of drawdown right and they rank all of the solutions potential mm -hmm. and so the third ranked solution was reducing food waste so it went huh. it went solar energy i think it's wind or solar energy are the top two i know that for sure i just don't know what order they're in and then the third one is reducing food waste, which is pretty ridiculous because yeah. everyone knows the massive impact of wind and solar energy. Yeah. Not that many people think about food waste. Huh. So why, why was it just because, I mean, people don't realize that actually uh, agriculture is a major polluter. Is that, is that why or what, what was with the food waste? Why did the food waste have such a big impact? Well, there's, the food waste has such a big impact because of the sheer quantity of food that's being wasted. Like, so we talked about produce on the farm that's, right. you know, surplus or cosmetically imperfect, but the, the drawdown study found that it was like 33 to 40% of all the food in the world is not getting eaten. Mm. So it includes animal products, it includes processed food, it includes yeah. dairy products. And if you just add that all up and, and you, you also include the food that's going into garbage bags, which is creating methane, which is yeah. a much more potent um, greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide is. Okay. Uh, it just becomes a super high number. So mm -hmm. what we're doing, I mean, we're not able to address the, you know, the food waste around the world. We're just addressing a specific part of it, you know, food waste right. on farms in Ontario. Right. But that's what we're able to do. You know, it yeah. needs to be a team effort. Yeah. Cool. That's amazing. 
Yeah. So you asked the motivation of the business. That was the main motivation. I mean, after reading that, it was just like, oof, you know, I think, uh, I think there's, there's something to be done. And it um, also leads into another point, mm -hmm. which is I had seen this idea before. Okay. You know, I, I knew that farmers around the world struggled with surplus right. and imperfect food right. you know i wasn't i wasn't just sitting in my room and i was like hmm i think farmers struggle with this are, are you from a, a smaller community originally or not no i've i've lived in toronto my whole life oh okay but i just i knew that farmers struggled with this from a couple sources from that study uh, the santa clara one and right. also from businesses that are doing a very similar like design of business as ours but okay. just in different geographies. So right. there's one in France uh, called Ornorm, which is which is doing basically the exact same thing. There's okay. a company in England called Oddbox. Mm. Um, there's quite a few companies in the States. There's a company in Montreal. There's a company in Germany. There's a company in Australia. But okay. there wasn't a company in Toronto. And I knew that if all of these other companies around the world are sourcing their stuff from farmers, I imagine that Ontario farmers are going to be having the same problem. Yeah. So it was just a matter of confirming that and then mm -hmm. moving forward. Interesting. Cool. So were you interested in environment and stuff like as a young person or literally you just read this book and you were like, whoa. No, no, it goes back further than the book. I mean, I think everyone in my generation is interested in the environment because we're the generation who's going to have to deal with global warming um yeah. i don't know though i feel like there's a lot of people that aren't paying attention that's true i would say probably okay to reword it a higher percentage of my generation is concerned about the environment than the percentage in my parents generation mm. and i just happen to be one of them because i don't know i mean i personally don't want to you know, live in a world that is, you know, very unhealthy due to climate change. Yeah. Um, so I just try to do everything I can within my power to, you know, lower my carbon footprint. And yeah, also this business helps too. Yeah, but I think that's really amazing. I, I don't think there's a lot of people, a large percent of people doing what you're doing, even if they are concerned about this. So I just want to say, just want to applaud that thank you thank you so for because you know this podcast is for young people um and maybe like you said people they're the this next generation are is the generation and the generation after that that are going to have to actually face the consequences of you know mass industrialization for the last 100 plus years um how or how does i mean you talked already about your business but for someone who's a student maybe a new university student moving out um how would your business benefit them well i think as a university student um you're usually lower on funds because you're paying tuition and you're paying rent and all that Right. So, I mean, we, uh, because we're sourcing stuff that's surplus and stuff that's imperfect, we're able to get it at a lower price than normal produce. 
Right. Um, so it ends up being sold to our customers at a lower price than what you could probably get at the grocery store. Right. So that's definitely a benefit. Um, just on that note, one of the things we also value is paying our farmers a fair wage. Mm. Um, we're not we're not trying to buy our stuff for nothing because right. that's not fair to them. Um, right. And I don't think we also don't think that imperfect produce should be devalued significantly because it's still normal produce that's kind of part of our mission is just raising awareness around you know what you see in the grocery store isn't yeah isn't reality yeah i mean if you grew up ever going to a farmer's market yeah exactly and you Let's get go to a farmer's, the farmer's market, market it's imperfect but it's really tasty exactly because somebody grew it grew it in their garden i mean i grew up in a rural community so I saw a lot of imperfect produce and I actually think it's when I see that I have the idea that it's tastier. <laughs> not that it, well, it's more rustic. Not that sure. it's deformed or something. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. So yeah, like that, I, that was just kind of a side point is paying our farmers fam fairly. But yeah. yeah I, and the other thing with students is just convenience. I mean, we, uh, we deliver. deliver to your door. Yep. That's pretty convenient. So. Yeah, and it's all things. automated. So yeah. I, I, I use you guys and uh, it's all automated. So you don't even have to, you know, like if Bell or Rogers comes to your house, oh, they're going to be there in this time frame, and it's a big pain in the butt. You don't know when they're going to come and then they show up like, you know, you know what I mean? But yeah. with you guys, there is a little window. You get a text that morning. And they tell you, like you say, like, it's actually going to be in this smaller window. And then I think, is it before they show up or when they show up, you get another text message. So it's all yeah. very convenient, automated. You don't need to worry. Um, we definitely yeah. try and make it as easy as possible. That's definitely the goal. Yeah, no I one wants to buy things. That's, that's a hassle. Yeah, it's even because I've gotten the um, like the good food or the what's that one fresh or hello fresh before. Yeah, I feel like your system is uh, better. Like they don't they don't tell you it's going to come within this time or send you a text. It just sort of shows up at your door on the day it's supposed to show up. So I think yours is really good because I don't often have my phone on and the buzzer is connected to my phone so since i'll get the text in the morning i know okay i need to turn the phone on for this period of time to let someone in the door so yeah. i just really appreciate that because if i'm with a client or something i don't want my phone ringing exactly know? yeah no that's good feedback i mean that that will uh that'll probably tie into something we talk about later on which is just advice for you know students who want to start a business is I'll just, I can preview it is try to use things that have already been built to benefit your own business instead of building them yourself. But we can talk about that later. Yeah. So, so it's good for students. It's less expensive. It's convenient. I mean, another thing is it's healthy. And it's I healthy. Students are often eating, they're in a hurry. They're eating processed food. Um, you don't always have time to go to the store to get produce. 
So, you know, you're guaranteed to have a some forced vegetable eating. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, part of our thing right now is that the box isn't customizable. Um, there's two reasons for that. The first is that the nature of rescuing produce um, doesn't really lend well to box customization because we can't choose what we get. You know, we we get what we can rescue. Um, right. And then the second part of it is it's also just a simpler process for the customer. And also you get, a, you probably get produce that you would normally buy at the grocery store. I've had yeah. so many people asking me like, what is this thing? Like, I don't know what this is and I've never eaten this before. So that's also going to contribute to your health, you know, trying new, new fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And you get the seasonal produce as well, yeah. right? Highly yeah, seasonal. For sure. Fresher. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's fun. It's kind of like a surprise every exactly. week. Like, I don't even check online. I just open the box like, oh, what is it this week? And then and then it kind of, I like to cook. So it forces me to look up um, different things to cook with. Like we were getting a lot of cucumbers for a while there. Yeah, at the start, there was a lot of cucumbers. <laughs> I had to get creative with the cucumber recipes. Yes. Um, and something else that I decided to make like a shrimp curry. I forget what it was. But it, I mean, if you like cooking, it's good. It's, it kind of like provides some inspiration. Yeah. If you like it's cooking, awesome. it's yeah. If you don't like cooking, I don't know. <laughs> it might, might yeah. not be the best service for you. <laughs> no. You have to cook a little bit, but it's not like really complicated produce. Well, yeah. I mean, you the eat fruits, a lot you of it just raw. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. Any other benefits to students? I think I think we covered them. I think that was everything. Healthy, convenient, affordable. Yeah. So like you sort of mentioned, um, some people might be listening who are in school and thinking about what they want to do after they graduate. Maybe they're in third or fourth year. I know you did a business degree, so it kind of translates, oh, I have a business degree, and then you start a business. Um, but there must be some sort of general skills or knowledge you got out of the post-secondary experience. So say maybe someone doesn't have a business degree, they have a science degree or an arts degree. How, how do you think that time in university helped you to where you are today starting this business? That's a good question. Um, I have a, I can think of a few things um, that might be helpful for people who didn't do a business degree mm -hmm. um, that I learned that I could pass on. Okay. So maybe I'll start with that and then I'll try and, I'll try and do some kind of just general learnings. But I think if you didn't go to business school, uh, one of the main misconceptions when you're starting a business is that you have to come up with something brand new that no one has ever mm -hmm. thought of before. Yeah. Um, and that is extremely hard and yeah. almost never happens because if you just came up with something brand new, um, it's probably a bad idea. There's a chance it's a good <laughs> idea but it's probably a bad idea if no one else is doing it in the world. Um, 
instead the easier approach is there's two paths the first is taking an idea from somewhere else and doing it in a new geography where it hasn't been implemented mm. um we there's a good case of this is um Andy, the mattress company okay uh, yeah basically copied casper which was in the states okay uh the the Andy guys came into our school to talk about this and they literally were just like okay look casper's doing great in the states it doesn't exist in canada let's copy it mm. exactly and right. they did and they were hugely successful because it's a concept that has been proven but casper didn't really care about canada that much it's it's not as big of a market mm -hmm. um and then they ended up being acquired by sleep country and they made a ton of money so mm. pretty good one there um and yep. then that's also what we did you know copying um an idea and bringing it to toronto right but then the other approach is to take an idea i think this is i don't know which is better they both work but this one is yeah take take a concept and improve upon it in a, right. in a specific way and improve upon it by a lot. And yeah. this is where a lot of the best businesses have come from. I mean, yeah. if, if you look at tech, something like Google, Google was not the first search engine to exist. Yeah, like was many before was using it. Explorer back in the day. <laughs> yeah, but Google, Google made one significant change, which was their page rank function. And then that was it, that was history. And now Google is, you know, a monopoly and they're just pretty much untouchable. Yeah, Google and, is Kleenex. It's a verb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and same with Facebook. Like Facebook wasn't the first social media platform. There was tons that tried to do it before them, but they just did it significantly better than everyone else. They had some, they had insights that no one else had. You know, they weren't trying to make this brand new thing. So that's, that would definitely be a big piece of advice. If you want to start a business, there's no pressure to come up with something brand new. That's very challenging and it's probably not a good idea. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think uh, in all those cases though, the business was filling a need. So they must've realized there was a need and looked around and said, how can we fill the need? Yes, and that would be examples. That would probably be the most important thing. <laughs> don't start a business if there's no no need for your product. Always solve a problem. Don't just come up with a random solution. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, because the way I did things was more organic. I saw a need. I just started filling it, and then it started to develop. Again, I didn't go to business school. So yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> taking these tips in well it's good instincts though you know what you did um yeah. i was just gonna say a couple other things um about you know important things that i learned in school that people could take away yeah um matching the incentives for your employees to what you want them to actually do is okay. extremely important what does this mean yeah i want to hear more about this so it's it's actually like a very simple concept, but it's hard to do, and it's sometimes just forgotten. So let's say um, for for our business, we are packing and then we're delivering, right? Right. So if you're if we pay the drivers 
uh, an hourly wage. They're right. going to be incentivized to go as slowly as possible to make as much hourly wage as they can. Mm -hmm. But yep. if we pay them per box, they're right. going to be incentivized to go as quickly as they can so they can get home and make the exact same amount of money no matter how quickly they go. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, yeah, that's like I changed from paying my editors hourly to buy Word. Yeah, so exactly. Same thing. Exactly, yeah. Incentives are important. And then the last thing I would say is just if you're going to start a business, um, you want to do some basic math first because it's boring and it gets ignored a lot of the time, but it probably ends up being the main factor why most businesses fail. And the two things that are super important, the first is the lifetime value of your customers. And the second okay. is how much it costs to get a customer. It's called cost what, of what customer is, okay. acquisition. How do you do math for the lifetime value of your customer? So this is all like stuff that you could just do on a sheet of paper while you're coming up with your, your business concept is lifetime value is just how much profit you're making from your customer until they are not your customer anymore. So let's say if you're, if you're, uh, you know, like a Roger, if you're Rogers, right. the lifetime value of your customer is the profit you make on the person's cell phone plan until they cancel. And you okay. have like an average lifetime value for all your customers. So the lifetime value is like, is one number. Mm. And then you want to compare that against how much it costs you to acquire that customer. So the cost of, acquiring customers just your marketing expense basically and any discounts you have so you you want to make sure kind of like a rough estimate is that your lifetime value is three times higher than your cost to acquire a customer and if it's not it's worth it's worth looking into some more interesting i didn't know that again yeah. i don't i i yeah good tip it's I think a, I just know these things intuitively. Exactly. It is intuitive, but it's also important to, to do it, you know, to actually complete these, these processes or else yeah. it's a problem. No, that's smart. Well, I'm more like the, tri the trial and error and fail 10 times. <laughs> so That works too. That is another, yeah, that's takes longer trial and error is important as long as you can minimize the risk yeah for sure those are good tips and then so overall what what so let's say you know someone's like me oh i did a liberal arts degree and uh crap rain's telling me all this stuff i don't know about um and now i've, I've lost all my confidence <laughs> is there what and i'm thinking geez i gotta go back to school um what general stuff do you think you you gain out of the university degree that would yeah. help you even if you don't know these kind of business tips yeah i mean just out of a university degree um the the challenge with me is i actually took two programs so i had two completely different experiences okay, i did business and i would program i also did um two years of software engineering Okay, but that's so, like not business. No, it's not. So, but I learned very different general themes from both. Like, okay. so from software, it was just, well, there was, there was a couple of things. The first um, 
is just about budgeting time because uh, that program is a ton of hours and it just forces you to have work ethic but that's not really a great learning i mean you can you can get work ethic from a hundred different things these days but the thing with engineering in general is it forces you to break down a problem um and you know it's called uh, like design driven um design driven engineering i think that's the term okay where it's like you start with you so let's say you see this problem in the world and then you're just like no no that's even the backwards way of doing it this is what this is the wrong approach is you just like hmm i have this great idea and i'm just gonna like try and make a business out of it this goes back to what we we're talking about but this is this is an engineering concept right. it's see a problem brainstorm solutions to that problem yeah and then try and pick the best one instead of just oh, I have an idea. So that right. was, those were the takeaways from engineering for me. And okay. I, think that, I think those, those you know, approaches kind of come out of a lot of different degrees, mm -hmm. I would think. And then in, from business, like the main kind of general thing that I took away was just learning to deal with ambiguity. Mm. Because um, in a lot of programs, at least in engineering, Every exam is multiple choice. There's right or wrong. There's no right. ambiguity whatsoever. It's like, you know, the building collapses or the building doesn't. <laughs> but with business, it's literally making decisions all the time where you have no idea what the right answer is. There's way too many variables to know what's going to happen. Right. So it's just like being comfortable with that and making an informed decision as best you can and just yeah. learning to learning to have backup plans in case things fail yeah on and on but yeah most not most engineering programs to a liberal arts degree like lots of ambiguity. no right answer to the exactly. question you just got to figure out the best answer and be able to defend it exactly it's just so different from a science and math degree where it's more black and white not science but engineering is extremely black and white science not so much yeah yeah well maybe undergraduate science i don't know i don't know i think i don't have enough learning the concepts yeah that's yeah so it's, this is a good segue because you said you know there's ambiguity you need backup plans i know your business it's very new it hasn't existed very long um you must have already faced some challenges sounds like do you want to tell us about one or two and and like how did you kind of overcome them sure um I, the biggest challenge that we faced was not what i expected at all i expected the challenge to be you know finances or produce or marketing mm -hmm. the hardest part is actually just um people organizational behavior because in school like all the ob classes that we had everyone was just like oh this is the stupidest thing ever like i don't care <laughs> teach me yeah like teach me business strategy teach me finance like teach me marketing um no, business is about relationships yeah and the hardest part in my opinion is relationships with your team with your employees like wow that is hard <laughs> 
Well, and you, so the, you're working with people you don't know, like you had to hire a bunch of people or like, how did your team originally come together? Yeah. So, I mean, there's two different teams, right? Like, you know, there's the kind of like founding team and then there's your team of employees. Um, okay. But the hardest part was the team of employees, just, you know, making sure people this goes back to incentives, but making sure people show up on time, making sure people do a good job, making sure people are happy, making sure, you know, the boxes get delivered, yeah. intact, um, you know, dealing with, you know, people who get sick, you know. And it's COVID. To have though. a backup plan for that. Yeah, and it's COVID, COVID, and then they can come to work. Yeah. And then what are we going to do? You know, yeah. we have to have backup plans in place. Um, okay, so another challenge that we faced, this one was uh, very significant, is um, car reliability. We've had, oh. we've already had two instances of cars breaking down um, with packages in them. Oh, and that is a huge challenge. So another part of it is having a backup plan for that, you know, having a backup driver on call, but then yeah, so overall challenges boil down to the team, making sure they're incentivized, making sure they're happy, making sure they're doing a good job. That was and the hardest now, thing. What, what was your hiring process like? Did you adjust your hiring process as I mean, well, or you just changed the way you manage the team? I just changed the way we manage the team. I didn't want to fire people. Um, I like having continuity within your team is really important. Uh, you know, hiring people is a huge challenge and yeah, you don't know. know what you're going to get. So yeah, it's just, yeah, <laughs> just being clear with communication and yeah, just managing the team better. Yeah. I just wondered because I went through similar things and I adjusted my hiring process. Yeah. That helped a lot, but I, I, I have more complicated, like I need staff with more advanced skills. Yes, exactly. So yeah, it makes it simpler and it makes it harder. There's two different parts to that, but yeah. So what advice would you give a young student or young adult who is thinking of starting their own business? I mean, you did give some tips that you learned from your business degree, you talked about some challenges, just kind of general advice, things you've learned so far. Yeah, the biggest one, in my opinion, is if you want to start a business, um, you should make sure that what you're doing is basically there's the reason to start a business is you see a problem mm -hmm. and you don't think anyone else can solve it. Right. And it's extremely important to solve because mm -hmm. otherwise the, your business probably won't be successful. First off, if there's someone else who can solve it and, and they do it, then you're just going to have annoying competition. Um, and if it's not a big problem, then you're probably not going to have a big enough market. But if, if you run into that scenario where all of those things align, then it is prob probably a good idea to try and solve it because um, without those things, like the headache that comes with starting a business is way higher than many other forms of making money where you could probably make way more money doing other stuff that's way easier. So yeah. I would say starting a business, yeah, 
make sure there's a problem that needs to be solved and you think you're the only person who can do it. Otherwise, I would do something else. Because it is, yeah, extremely challenging. Um, the other thing I would say is, let's say those all that aligns and you do start the business, um, I would recommend reading The Lean Startup. Um, mm. Eric Reese. Uh, yeah, there's, if you, you want to be as, you want to test all of your hypotheses as quickly as possible. You want to make sure that all of the things you have in your head are actually true and exist in the real world. Um, you don't just want to like write a 40 page business plan behind your desk and then raise a bunch of money and just, you know, go, that's yeah. most likely not going to work. So okay. it's, you know, it's just testing things, getting feedback from your customers, trying not to burn capital if you don't need to. Um, but reading that book would be a very, very good place to start. Okay. So have a problem, be confident you can solve it. And, and be the only person yourself. who can solve it. Hmm? And be the only person who can solve it. But you know, eventually you're gonna have competitors. <laughs> like you if you if your idea is good and it takes off, there will well, be that's, competitors. That's why you wanna be you maybe not the only person who can solve it, but the best person in the world at solving it because there will be competitors and you want to be better than them. You want to be faster than them. So if, if you just see a good idea and a bunch of people can solve it and then you're just going to get competition. And, and that's, uh, if you have a way of being better than your competition, that's not a problem. But if you just going to have a bunch of competitors doing the same thing as you, it's not a recipe for success. Well, I don't know. We have a lot of fast food chains. <laughs> they have different niches though. Yeah. And yeah they like you wouldn't want to just start a new fast food chain right now that would be not a great business strategy yeah if, you know you know yeah that would <laughs> that would be a long journey <laughs> unless you had unless you had something that was different than mcdonald's and burger king and wendy's and stuff yeah then it's okay but i wouldn't just copy them for sure yeah interesting that's a very business school uh, response Yes. There, I mean, because there's a, I don't know if you, if you've ever read Simon Sinek on, and his book, Start With Why, and he kind of challenges that idea and says, the most important thing in running your business is having a clear purpose or a clear why so that your customers know what you're about. So if you look at Apple, for example, Apple isn't necessarily the best at all its specific products some other computer technology companies actually have better products but they're not as good at marketing them because they don't have as clear of a brand so true. i would partially agree with you you should try to be the best solve a problem be the be like one of the few people to do it but i think uh long term if you look at businesses that last a long time there's something about people know, people have a clear idea of what it's about and what to expect and, and some sort of loyalty to the brand. 
Like, even I think they go hand in hand. McDonald's for sure. doesn't have the best hamburger. I wouldn't go to McDonald's for like a good hamburger. But there's certain things about McDonald's that I trust. That if I want that specific, and also McDonald's has tapped into my childhood memories because of Happy Meals. Yeah. So I do have a sense of nostalgia eating a McDonald's chicken nugget. Well, I think they go hand in hand. And the advice for being the best at whatever problem you see is it's for startups. It's not for established businesses. Because yeah. if you look back at McDonald's and Apple when they started, like, you know, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, like they saw a problem with computers and they were like, right. they were the best at it. Yeah. And that's why well, they, they succeeded. Like the yeah. And Apple might not be the best laptop performer these days but when it started they were the best and they were the fastest and that's why they succeeded and same with mcdonald's they were the best at branding apple was the best at branding so there was different aspects that they were the best at yeah yeah well i mean the, the actual mcdonald's brothers were very were exceptionally good but they weren't good at franchising Right, and then, and then really, McDonald's is a real estate business. Most people don't realize that, but it's actually about real estate. They have a lot of real estate for sure. Um. Anyway, I'm sure, we could talk about business <laughs> strategies and business all day, but sure you, you did mention one book. You, well, you mentioned a couple books so far. Um, if there was one book you you said to yourself or like a recent graduate and they're trying to figure out what to do with their life or maybe start a business what what would that be yeah um the one i was thinking of is uh extreme ownership uh jocko willing have you heard of that one no what is it about so jocko willing is uh like an ex navy seal but i don't know he just does a bunch of stuff these days but it's just about, it's another intuitive concept, but when you read it, it kind of changes your perspective. At least I found that. And it's just about what the title says is taking extreme ownership of things that happen that you have control over. Um, it's, I found that it's extremely easy in business to blame someone else. We, right. have, we have huge mechanisms in our brain that don't want us to be wrong. You know, we hate being wrong. So even right. if we are wrong, we might not even, we might subconsciously put blame on someone else. Right. Even though if we take some time to like lower our emotions, we could probably figure out that we're, the, we're in the wrong right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just about, let's say something like we had a scenario where, you know, like um, there was someone with an allergy and we didn't substitute their product. So I could have been like, wow, guys, like the label was there. Why didn't we substitute this product? Like it was, it was your fault, but no, like it was my fault because I'm in charge of this business. Right. And so I was like, okay, let's come up with a solution to this. So now we have like, we, we started putting big colored font when, whenever there's an allergy and we, we have like double, we have like almost a triple checking process to make yeah. sure that we don't miss them anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I would just say, and that it goes way beyond business, just taking ownership of 
anything that happens that you might be in charge of, you know, always, always take the blame, always try to look to improve. Yeah, maybe Don't... take the responsibility. On the yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's a very obvious concept. Yeah. But the way that this guy writes, because he was a Navy SEAL, he was in charge of people. Yeah, lives. I mean, like, he screws up, people die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, And he might die. <laughs> yeah. So those guys are at the forefront of it. But then when you take those concepts and apply them to, you know, normal civilians, it, it's, I think it's pretty valuable. Yeah. No, I think that's really good advice because I, I, I think just sort of looking around and this might be a product of me becoming middle-aged but it it seems like there is less kind of personal responsibility especially when you're younger I mean when you're like 18 19 20 25 it's it's easier to sort of have a lot of expectations and not take responsibility for your own career path or your own growth or your own like whatever you want to achieve and and I think because even me we we grew up very lucky and privileged children if we grew up in Canada and um it's not the same if, if you have parents that are born in the 50s 60s or even 70s the world is not the same and so sometimes we can take for granted the amount of effort and time it took to create the you know, stability that we may have grown up in. And then we go in the world and we kind of expect, well, this is going to be easy to create for ourselves, but it's not. I would agree with that. Yeah. So sounds like a really good book. So thanks so much for joining us today. I learned a lot. There's a lot of good takeaways for me. Um, so if anyone is interested in learning more about uh, Braden and his business, Remarkable Rejects, you can find out more about him at their website, www.remarkablerejects.com. And yeah, just thanks for joining us, Braden. Thanks for having me. It was good. I enjoyed this. Yeah, it was fun. Um, for those people listening, Stay tuned for a short meditation and writing exercise. During this breathing meditation, you will focus on your breath. This will calm your mind and relax your body. There is no right or wrong way to meditate. Whatever you experience during this breathing meditation is right for you. Don't try to make anything happen, just observe. Begin by finding a comfortable position, but one in which you will not fall asleep. Sitting on the floor with your legs crossed is a good position to try. Close your eyes or focus on one spot in the room. Roll your shoulders slowly forward and then slowly back. Lean your head from side to side, lowering your left ear towards your left shoulder and then your right ear toward your right shoulder. Relax your muscles. Your body will continue to relax as you meditate. Observe your breathing. 
Notice how your breath flows in and out. Make no effort to change your breathing in any way. Simply notice how your body breathes. Your body knows how much air it needs. Sit quietly, seeing in your mind's eye your breath flowing gently in and out of your body. When your attention wanders, as it will, just focus back again on your breathing. Notice any stray thoughts, but don't dwell on them. Simply let the thoughts pass. See how your breath continues to flow deeply, calmly. Notice the stages of a complete breath. From the in-breath to the pause that follows, the exhale, and the pause before taking another breath. See the slight breaks between each breath. Feel the air entering through your nose. Picture the breath flowing through the cavities in your sinuses and then down to your lungs. As thoughts intrude, allow them to pass and return your attention to your breathing. See the air inside your body after you inhale, filling your body gently. Notice how the space inside your lungs becomes smaller after you exhale and the air leaves your body. Feel your chest and stomach gently rise and fall with each breath. Now as you inhale, count silently. One. As you exhale, count. One. Wait for the next breath and count again. One. Exhale. One. Inhale. One. Exhale. One. Continue to count each inhalation and exhalation as one. Notice how your body feels. See how calm and gentle your breathing is and how relaxed your body feels. Now it is time to gently reawaken your body and mind. Keeping your eyes closed, notice the sounds around you, feel the floor beneath you, feel the clothes against your body, wiggle your fingers and toes, shrug your shoulders, open your eyes and remain sitting for a few moments longer Straighten out your legs and stretch your arms and legs gently. Sit for a few moments more, enjoying how relaxed you feel and experiencing your body reawaken and your mind returning to its usual level of alertness. Slowly return to standing position and continue with the rest of your day feeling re-energized. guys, Lisa Fow here at Fow Academic Writing with this week's writing tip. So for those of you who listened to our podcast interview with Braden Wolf and his company Remarkable Rejects, this tip is inspired by that podcast interview. You can check it out um, in the link below. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, thanks for listening to that great interview. And we're going to try to do a little short writing exercise. 
that is also up on YouTube. So if you want to see the video of the writing exercise, you can go on to YouTube and check it out. So Braden talked a little bit about some challenges he faced as a recent graduate starting a business. And the thing he didn't expect was the challenges with dealing with people and creating a team that um, functions well and you know he can count on, he can trust. I think no matter what you do, it is challenging to work with people, whether you're a business owner, you're a manager, or you're even in a group project in school. So I wanted to use that problem to create a, a writing exercise related to motivation. So I think there's two different ways. Braden talked about incentivizing people. And for example, they switched from paying drivers hourly to paying them based on the number of boxes they delivered. That's one way to manage people. But from my perspective, I think a really good team functions well when there are shared values and some sort of sense of trust or loyalty. And so this writing exercise is really more inspired by understanding your values and the values of others. So what I want you to do is to get out your pen and paper. And I want you to kind of close your eyes, take some deep breaths. And I want you to remember yourself as a child. Maybe you're five, maybe you're eight. Remember yourself as a child. Um, try to tap into a happy moment or a happy memory as that child. And just kind of like, we'll give you about three minutes. Once you've kind of captured that moment or memory in your mind and I want you just to to describe it to write it down so I'm gonna just you can pause the podcast or the video set yourself a timer for three minutes and um, write down that childhood memory hi guys so hopefully you have had a fruitful three minutes I'm just going to share what I wrote. I would say it's not my best writing, but I had a clear vision of being about four years old and swimming in the local swimming pool. So here it is. Floating around in the local swimming pool, a four-year-old fish. I love the freedom of the water, my buoyant body flopping around, imagining myself as a mermaid or dolphin, the bubbles rising up around me, tickling my nose, and making a crackling sound in my ears. The peace and openness of the underwater world. Kicking, wriggling, diving, grabbing rings off the bottom of the pool. My eyes open, staring at the legs of all the other swimmers. Diving under my mom's legs, scraping my tummy along the bottom. Happy, free, and full of joy and life and possibility. So, what is the point of this? How is this related to like working in a team, motivation, values? I think 
you know, our values, our sense of self is more clear actually when we're a child than when we're an adult. Because as we become an adult, all these other expectations are put on us. So it's always good to kind of go back to childhood memories to help us to connect a bit better with who we are and what we believe in. So just from this little writing I've done, and it's a good uh, reminder for me, I can pull out some values. So one thing I say a few times is freedom. So something about swimming underwater is very free. And that's why it gave me a lot of joy. Um, another thing is kind of imagination or creativity. Because I imagine myself as a mermaid or dolphin. I kind of see the dis different possibilities. I'm diving for rings and under my mom's legs. And it's kind of a fun underwater world. Um, another thing is just joyful joy or happiness. I, I like this memory because it just feels very fun. I love the swimming pool as a kid. I still love swimming. So it just gives me a sense of joy or happiness or contentment, which is really important to me. Like you look around, um, even in the videos, the background, I, I create kind of a fun, um, creative, joyful, space that brings me joy just to like stare at the wall. Uh, so those are three values that I pulled out from this exercise. So I suggest you kind of do the same thing. Take a look at what you wrote and see what emotions or values it's communicating to you. Are there some words you repeat a few times? Is there image, is there some imagery that connects to a certain sense of, of being or some values you have. Now, why is this important to like teams or working with people? So in the podcast, I asked Brayden, did you change your hiring process? And I know for me, as I grew the business, I changed the hiring process to be very clear on what kind of values am I looking for? What kind of mindset am I looking for? in the staff that I, I have joined my team. And I adjusted the questions like that. So I think being clear on who you are and what your values are is the first step in building teams around you with people who have a shared kind of worldview, a shared sense of purpose. And when you have that, it's much easier to communicate. It's much easier to build trust. It's much easier to build a team or a group where people are working together toward a common goal. So that's my writing exercise for today. Go back to your childhood memories, write one up, and from that, pull out some of your core values. And as you go forward, as you're looking for jobs or you're working with people on projects in school or you're joining a student club or whatever you're doing, being clear on those values and who you are will help you to connect with the right people so that you can work together well and you can do something together that you all care about and you're more likely to succeed. So thank you so much for tuning in 
to either our YouTube video or our podcast to listen to this writing exercise. We hope you enjoyed um, our interview with Braden Wolf of Remarkable Rejects. If you listen to the full podcast and you're now at the writing exercise or check it out on our YouTube channel or on uh, Anchor, we have links to both of them through our website. To find out more about FAO academic writing, you can check out our website at www.fao.ca, which will be in the link below, or follow us on social media at FAO underscore academic writing. If you need any extra support with your academic studies or writing skills, you can send us a message anytime. We look forward to helping you reach your full potential on the page and in life. And take good care, everyone. We'll see you soon.